everyone, and welcome to the Roasted Games Podcast. I am Kaz Gable. And I'm Bill Price. And today we are back to finish up our list of top 10 solo games. And we're going to do our 6 through 10 today. And uh, I'm trying to remember who started last time. I don't think it matters, but um, I think I started last time, and then there was one where, like, uh, was it Agropolis, where we both got the same one? Oh and yes, then, yeah. And Sprawlopolis, and then so then it switched. So <laughs> so then I I ended up uh, with my last one. So I can go first this time. All right, if you want. Uh, yeah, that sounds great. All right. Um, then I am going to start off uh, with Dune Imperium. So we've talked uh, Ooh, quite a okay. bit about Dune, and I I like it at multiple players. Uh, I like it. I've played it at two and at three. Uh, I like it at three a lot, um, but I also really like it solo. It's got a, it's got a really neat AI deck that uh, it surprisingly good and it's uh it's challenging okay so it actually as uh as one player uh you'd actually play against two other factions so it's almost kind of similar in feel to a three-player game but uh but fairly challenging and so you just draw a card from the um from this ai deck and it sort of just says you know what they do and uh what the the other guys do and it just works it works really really well and uh it it's challenging for sure uh, i think i've played it solo probably maybe five or six times i think i've won it three times okay so it's probably about a 50 50 50 go uh one of the times i won i know i didn't do something right so <laughs> uh, I kind of figured it out afterwards. It was the very first time I played, so I, we won't count that one. But um, yes, but yeah, I uh, I enjoyed it a lot. It's uh, it's a fairly different feel to um, to playing with uh, against another person because uh, one of the cool things about Dune really is uh, Dune Imperium in particular is mm-hmm. uh, is the interaction sure. between the players and kind of trying to outthink the other player and sort of what they're going to do and what you're going to do and kind of building, uh, even to an extent, building your deck around uh, sort of how to get the most advantage playing against uh, a certain play style or something like that. And you can't really do that necessarily against the AI. Uh, The AI is fairly aggressive. However, the two factions that you're going up against have... um, pretty concrete identities uh in that they one of them pursues uh military and then the other one pursues uh more like resource and and blocking you from getting resources and things like that so okay uh so so they have they have distinct play styles to an extent but um but they're still uh, an ai can only be you know so predictable uh it just sort of they they do what the card says they do and it's not a person necessarily picking the most ad- advantageous thing for them to do so sometimes you'll draw the card and you'll be like yes i was hoping they wouldn't do this thing and um and then sometimes you draw the card and you're like oh how how, how are they gonna do that right to me 
but uh, but you know that a, a real person playing against you would absolutely have done that to you in a heartbeat. So right, right, um, yeah. So and sometimes it gets, nothing of it. Exactly. Sometimes it gets it right, but uh, but overall, it's uh, it's a good challenge. It it just it feels like a puzzle more okay. so than uh, than playing a, a multiplayer game of it with somebody is uh, is very tactical. Uh, this is just uh, just puzzly. Uh, more so than than playing the game against people. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. I, it, it's interesting how a lot of these games that are maybe not designed solely for one, you can play one, and they play really well at one. Are either going to fall into like uh, just score as many points as you can and try to best your score, or solve this puzzle that we presented with you, and the solo automaton is in the way, and you just have to get right. around them, type of thing. So. Uh, that's cool. I never thought about playing Dune Imperium, so I kind of didn't realize it had a solo option. But it it does. It it's totally got a makes very, sense that it would. A very good solo option. So good that it's in my top ten. Ha 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 ha. I don't own this game. I think we've talked about it before between like the the three games of this ilk, and I decided to go with Lost Ruins of Arnak at least for now. But um. Dune, I, Dune keeps popping up on my radar again and again. Like it's it's been popular in the game group. Um, people have just sort of been talking about it that I just keep overhearing in general, like just randomly. And so uh, I might be picking this one up. We'll see. I am at I am at crisis point though for storage. I <laughs> cannot cram another game in without uh, yeah. without something terrible happening. When I got when I got Dune Imperium and Lost Ruins of Arnak, I got them at the same time, and it was very much during that period of oh, these are like the same game, but mm-hmm. kind of different, but kind of mostly the same because they're they're worker placement deck building games, and uh, and the more I play both, uh, the more I'm fairly convinced that they should not be lumped together. Uh, I, I really don't think they they should they they are and I think it's kind of unfair to do so because even though they're both they both share those mechanisms as like their primary thing they have nothing in common as far as like um, gameplay and cadence and just uh, the flow of the game uh, and they just feel so different it's like uh, it's really night and day. So I, I think yeah. there is absolutely room for both in uh, in anybody's collection, and uh, I would not say that one scratches the itch that the other one does. Sure. Yeah, so I, I, would, I, I would totally I agree with that. Don't think they. Yeah, I don't think they should be lumped together. I think it's sort of unfortunate they came out at like about the same time with kind of the same mechanisms. Uh, otherwise, if it had been like two years apart. I don't think that anyone would have ever thought to connect the two. Yeah. And, and I think they, they both would have had uh, kind of a different popularity slash Renaissance for each other. So, um, but completely unrelated. Uh, so that's, uh, that was my, my number six is uh, oh. doing Imperium. All right. Well, there we go. Uh, all right. Well, my number six is going to be another kind of big game that is, technically plays up to four players but if you've ever watched any videos about it a lot of <laughs> a lot of uh, commenters are like i would never play this with four people <laughs> and it just gets too convoluted and uh the interplay between characters uh, is just too difficult to figure out and just feels tougher and not as fun uh that is spirit island 
So Spirit Island is a game that came out uh, in 2017. It is a got a great theme. I, I've never there's never been a game that has a theme that I just love as much as I do Spirit Island. The fact that you are playing these uh, just giant I don't know what you call them like Earth deities that are have existed since the dawn of time, and all of a sudden these pesky humans are coming with their garbage and their uh, what do they call it in the game? I'm trying to remember their uh, basically uh, their uh, pollution that they bring of just like you know oil and garbage that the cities produce and all this stuff and you're just trying to, you're not exactly sure what they are but you don't like them and you're just trying to get them off your island and um it's just a really interesting dynamic but it is a dense game and it is also a co-op game and when a co-op game is dense it, it just becomes it, it's a rare that a co-op game is this dense i'll say um because there is so much need to plan the rhythms of this game together and it's easy for someone to quarterback this and feel like someone's just really playing the game for you and you're just kind of doing the what's the clearly the logical thing but you're not having any agency so i get why people don't like the higher player counts i've only played this game solo actually this is a game i've been trying to get to the table and uh, my wife is up for this game but <clears throat> But it is a big game, and it takes a bit to set up, and you have to kind of set aside the time for it. But my solo plays of this game were great. I really, really enjoyed the structure of the game. I, like I said, I love, love, love the theme. And man, does it f feel on point. Uh, one of the complaints about this game is that it kind of takes a while to get going. You are you start out it's kind of, it's, it's something of a deck builder, and you start out with not a lot of functionality like most deck builders. But I'd say even more so in this one a little bit. But I, I kind of like it. This isn't a game I'm constantly playing, so it's sort of a one once in a while, and I really want to immerse myself in the theme. And it really does feel like you're this just ancient earth spirit that's just sort of awakening from slumber and just sort of getting its bearings on like what are these annoying creatures that are digging holes in my island and scaring off the native peoples and uh, just kind of getting your bearings of what's happening and slowly pushing back against them and then realizing they're more of a threat than they actually might have thought uh, them to be at first blush. And then you're trying to get, you're getting stronger and stronger and building up and building up. And this sense of like slowly coming and awakening and becoming very, very powerful over time. But it might be too late by the time you fully are awake. They might have had a big enough foothold in your island that you're just never going to get rid of them. So I just love that. I love that theme and I love the feel of the game. And it plays really, really well at one player. You can really just kind of um, have an evening of it with this game and uh, kind of just lose yourself in the storyline that you're creating of this island and this spirit uh, or actually typically what I would do if I'm playing two is I'd play two spirits. So these two spirits that are trying to defend themselves against the plague that is <laughs> uh, conquistadors <laughs> and uh, exploring their island. So Spirit Island is a surprisingly good single player game that I, I enjoy quite a bit. I, I have heard phenomenal things about Spirit Island. I've, I've watched a playthrough or two, so I'm familiar with some of the mechanisms but yes dense is uh is an excellent word for that and uh, i i love the theme too it's like one of the few it's the only real like anti-colonialism theme that i can really think of mm -hmm. where like colonialism isn't like the the overwhelming Thing that you're trying to do as a player you're not trying to you know colonize this this area and enslave these native people or what have you you're actually on the other side right and uh and i've not yet 
seen any other game that I can think of that does that. And so that's uh, that's awesome when you can find a unique theme and uh, I would say fairly unique gameplay, especially because it's so, um, from what I can tell, it it's, uh, it's so asymmetric Yeah, that... It it's almost like uh, learning a whole different game every time you play a different spirit. Yeah, it it really is very very different between them, and then and then also the cool thing about it too is that you if you are playing solo two two handing it, um, pairing those spirits is really fun too. You know, there's certain ones that are more quicker and more responsive. Um, maybe not as powerful, and then there's slower moving ones that are very, very powerful, but you know they take a while to get any momentum going, and so combining those can be really fun as well in different ways. But um, yeah, everything about this game is just impressive. Spirit Island, like the the inserts are great. The um, all of the pieces are really well thought out and really neat design uh, choices made here. The functionality of those pieces too, like the cities and towns take damage and the way you track damage is you tilt the meeple in one way or another to show that many buildings um on the upside and that's how many like hit points i guess if you want to simplify it that that town or city has um and uh yeah everything about this game is just very very well designed and creatively done and just it's just a it's just a joy to engage with Awesome. Well, it, it's on my list. It's on my All right. list. So, All right. Uh, I, Another big box, is, though. Another big box. <laughs> yes. My list is long and impressive. But, yeah. Uh, and seemingly never ending. Right. Ah. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So, Spirit Island. Absolutely. I, I had a feeling that was going to be on your list for sure. <laughs> um, my next one is uh, we're going to keep with large games here. And uh, mine is Cthulhu Death May Die. Okay. So um, I'm not going to get too in the weeds on this just because uh, anybody who would like more information than they could ever possibly want on this game, <laughs> there we, we did do a, a mini-sode, uh, mm-hmm. me and my son Joey, so um, where we really delved into it. Um, the way that I play it uh, is actually is multi, multi-handed, so I'll have like uh, three or four different characters that I'll, I'll play each of them. Um, so this is kind of one of those ones. Um, we've tried uh, soloing with just one character or just two characters. Um, okay. And it's virtually impossible. At least, uh, like, there's, it's so hard to get any sort of traction on it because of the, the constant, you know, draws of the um, Mythos deck or, or whatever they're, they're called. It's a, the deck of like complete doom uh where every time you draw from this you're like okay i know this is gonna hurt real real bad it's just a matter of how bad is this gonna kill me or not quite kill me uh, so it's kind of kind of in, in in that regard uh but one of the reasons i really like this game uh in general is and I've said this before. It's just got this this constant feeling of, even when you win, there wasn't a single time the entire game you're playing, where you thought you were gonna win. Okay. Where you felt like you were doing well or getting in a position, or you're like, oh, I almost got it. You've never almost have it. You just you never almost have it. Um, <laughs> at least you never think that you do. And when you finally win, you're like, wow. I 
won and I have no idea how that happened. <laughs> it was, uh, but every game has just this epic feel to it. Uh, even replaying the same scenarios uh, because of the different decks and, and the fact that you can, um, you can have different uh, elder gods even in the same the same scenario uh mm-hmm. the same season uh there's just so much variability there and uh, and nothing plays out the same way because stuff spot will spawn in different places and stuff will you'll you'll draw cards that do different things at different times and and there's just no way to really be prepared for it and you're always on your always on your heels uh which i i really like i i don't I don't like uh, solo games where you're like three quarters of the way or halfway through. You're like, all right, I'm on track to win this. I got right. it. You know, because like that's not it might be fun, I guess, for people who just want to win all the time. But uh, but this is a hard game. It's a really hard game. And it's designed to make you feel like it's a hard game. Uh, so and so mission accomplished. But uh, but definitely it is. I would say on my list, it is certainly the most thematic game on the list because you feel it is probably the most thematic Cthulhu game that I think I own, and I own a lot of them. Yeah. So it looks, I mean, amazing. It it really is, and just like the quality of the miniatures and just sort of how everything goes together and it all makes sense, and you're never drawing a card and be like, well that's weird i don't even have any idea how that would happen um and plus that that whole thing of your character gets more powerful the more insane he gets and that to me sort of the key to the the, it's the crux of the whole game in that when you get more insane you you're that much closer to losing so you don't want to do that but the more insane you get the, the more powerful you get and the more you can do, you unlock these powers and not necessarily the easier it is to win, but certainly the, the better chance you have of winning. So it's like kind of walking that tightrope of how far do I push it? Uh, I don't think anyone would describe this as a pressure luck game, but it kind of feels like one sometimes when you're doing that push pull of, you know, can I, should I take on this insanity so that I can get these extra powers? Cause I really need them. Uh, because without it, like you really don't stand a chance. So it's kind of right, right. kind of like, let's just, let's do it. You know? Um, so I, I really like that feeling and, and there's not a ton of games. I, I don't think that have, have that same kind of feeling of, you know, you almost have to get yourself almost dead just to give yourself a chance to win. So, yeah, I like that part. I like that part a lot. Yeah, it sounds so cool. Yeah, you're just playing with fire, risking <laughs> it all just to to do that one final push to actually conquer the old one. I really love that idea too. That that you're just kind of, um, you know, yeah, you're just trying to walk that tightrope of, uh, or it's a fine tightrope to victory, and you could see the victory, but <laughs> the tightrope is over a pit of lava. <laughs> yes, and there's demons throwing rocks at you <laughs> while yes. you're trying to walk the tightrope. <laughs> exactly yeah so that's uh that is my number nine and that is Cthulhu nice. death may die 
All right. Well, I'm going to keep it in the world of very thematic and uh, and, and uh, games that you can just sort of like immerse yourself in the theme. And this is a game that I've talked about before, but it is uh, a game that has grown. Like, I don't hear about this game. This game is Aeon's End. And I don't hear about Aeon's End all the time. But then when I'm going, when I'll check out, like, I wonder if I should pick up one of the minor expansions that I've never never picked up just to flesh up my set i'll realize oh there's been like seven expansions that have come out like the anz community <laughs> is vast but but underground <laughs> and maybe it's just me or my awareness of it but there are people that really really love this game anz has quite a cult following and is still continuing to publish expansions and um uh, like second and third editions that sort of like reimagine the core game. And it's just amazing what they've, they keep building off this structure. And it's a game that m- many people don't know about. I don't know. I don't even remember how I even came across it first, but I'm glad I did because I really, really love this game. Uh, this is also a very difficult game. I think Cthulhu Death May Die may definitely have it on difficulty, but it is a, it is a hard game to win. And the premise of the game is you are, uh, humans at the end of humanity. You're not here to save humanity. Humanity already got overtaken and destroyed by, uh, these, uh, demons from another dimension, basically. And, uh, you are just there to save the last 50,000 people that exist of humanity uh, but you've been able to, over years and years of war, understand the magic portals that they use to come in and wreak havoc on your dimension. And you have uh, created basically mages that master these portals and are fighting back. Uh, and you're scrappy. You're, you're guerrilla fighters. And so you have a, a bit of an edge there. Uh, it doesn't mean it's easy. They are really determined to wipe you out once and for all. And they are sending their big bads at you and a bunch of minions to help them out. But uh, the thing I love about this game is the the replayability, first of all, but also it does a few cool things with uh, turn order and um, uh, healing and just some minor things that are very unique to this game that I really, really enjoy. And I'm not experiencing really any other game exactly the same way. This just sort of aligns perfectly to be extremely, uh, extremely fun to engage with, even though I don't win this game a lot. <laughs> I just really love the challenge of it. And um, I will play this two-handed with a couple different mages um, and then choose, you know, one of the big bads. The great thing about this game, too, is all of the big bads play very, very differently. And so your experience of the game is just completely varied uh, depending on who you're playing on your side and who you're playing against on their side. Um, And they did certain things just very, very creatively and almost like meta. Like there's one creature, so you have a market where you go to buy spells and artifacts and things like that. You you basically do magic to get them or you, I don't know. There's a currency anyway, like most games. But uh, one of the bad guys actually eats your market, which is so cool. I love the meta of that where he's just sort of like, he's just, I can't remember his name, but it's something like the all consumer or no, the ever hungry or something like that. And he just like eats your market. So over time, that is a limited commodity. So if you want to learn these spells, he's going to eat <laughs> basically the spell possibility of learning these spells over time. Oh, wow. So the, long, the longer you fight him, the less available you have to grow your own power within the game because he doesn't do much. He's just a tank and he slowly eats away at your uh, options. And I just thought that's such a meta way to approach uh, a big bad character. I just love it. And they have very other instances of things like that in the game. Um, but I love playing this with people. It is a co-op game, and I really enjoy this. I think it gets around a lot of issues co-op can have in a big game. 
but I also very much enjoy playing this uh, solo by myself. It's just uh, it's just a great game all around. Yeah, I've uh, I've played this with you a couple times. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I like it too. It's uh, it's a fun game. I've never played it solo, but I think it gets um, weirdly, and I'm not hundred percent sure why, but it gets weirdly associated with Sentinels of the Multiverse a lot. Oh, does it? Oh, interesting. Oh, I, I guess I have I, heard that. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people kind of look at those two as as very similar games, and I guess I can sort of understand. Like yeah. there's a big bad and you're playing, you know, from a deck of cards and what have you. But, uh, but yeah, I think that's uh, that's an unfair comparison. But um, but yeah, I, I like uh, I like Hanson a lot, and it's um, it does have have a very dedicated fan base for sure, yeah. and they are very vocal and they they love their Aeon's End, and uh, the people that don't like it really don't like it, but the people that really like it love it. Yeah. So I don't think it's a game for everybody. Uh, so I would definitely advise people if, uh, if you're intrigued by this, possibly like look at some gameplay videos or if you can play it before you buy it. Sure. Because uh, pe- people do, people are, are very torn on this one, probably more so than I've seen in a, a lot of other games. Uh some games like you're like like we are with Blood Rage. You're like it's fine. I'll play it. It's yeah, it's sure. It's, it's a it's a good game. It's not a great game. It's not a terrible game. But like very few people I think ever play Aeon's End and are like, eh, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're like, ah. I really didn't like that, or this is my favorite game. <laughs> <laughs> right, right for sure. Yeah, it it is it is polarizing that way for some reason, and um, I don't know. It's it. it, it I definitely love it. I do see why people don't like it. I've tried to intro this game a few times, and it's definitely a game that you ha- it has to be the right setting. It's uh, I think it's it's one you just want to devote some time to, and really yeah. just try to like understand it. I've tried to bring it to game night a couple times, and it's just it kind of fell flat. Like people were like, "Yeah, that was interesting," but it just sort of fell flat in the way that you really want to be able to focus on this. There's so much interplay of of everything in this game. That um, if you you know if they're, if it's loud or distracting or you're you know you're trying to just rush through it that you're just not gonna you're not gonna get the full experience which is uh, uh, always depressing to me because I love this yeah. game so much I want everyone to love it. <laughs> it's also not super easy to just grasp the first time. Yeah, like, for sure. That's the true. first time you play it is almost you almost have to treat it like a tutorial. Yeah, in absolutely. That, you really have no concept of how everything works together and how the whole system is until you've played it at least once, preferably a couple times, and you've gotten to see what different stuff does and how the game evolves and and sort of what stuff plays off of what. And, and you're like, okay, now I get it. Uh, and I think that's when it really shines. People, and, and I think that's why it has such a dedicated fan base is because the people who have put the time into it that it kind of needs to marinate and you know become that game uh once you've put in that kind of time you love it yeah and i think a lot of the people who don't like it have only played it once or twice and been like yeah this really isn't for me i think that's why it's polarizing yeah 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 i would agree i think uh I would agree with that. And, and from my experience, I've played the beginning quote unquote, um, 
I don't know, introductory big bad so many times because I'm always introing it to people <laughs> that the real times when I've been able to get deeper in the game, it has been a solo experience because I'm used to it. I know the structures of it and I could get into it, which is which is too bad. I mean, I, I'm sure I could uh, get my wife to play this with me more consistently, but I ask so much of her already. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, but it's too bad because I, I, I actually sh- I should set up more of a consistency if people want to try this a few times, because it is such a great game to kind of like they did such a great job with it. Uh, of being able to get so deep into their mechanisms that it's kind of a shame to uh, just play that single guy and then be like, oh, that was really great, and then never play it again. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd agree. But All right, what do you got for your number, what are these, six, seven, eight? Number eight. Um, okay, my number eight is uh, it's another big game, uh, and it is, uh, I would say... It's very, very popular, and I would say it is probably on most people's top five solo games of all time, uh, and that is Scythe. Aha, yes. So Scythe has a longstanding reputation of being an excellent solo game, uh, thanks to a very clever AI, which... Uh, which Jamie Stegmeier is very known for. All the Stonemeyer games uh, tend to have not only uh, solo modes, but uh, but but a kind of an AI style and uh, automa style that uh, that he's kind of developed over the years. And I think all of his games use a similar sort of model to that. Sure. And um, and, and it is very clever, and it's uh, it can. It can't necessarily duplicate the experience of multiplayer, but uh, but again, kind of going back to the way that Dune Imperium is uh, Scythe Solo is is a fun puzzle, and uh, and it is a very different experience solo than it is multiplayer. I feel like hmm. so, and I like both. Yeah. I, I like both. I like playing it with people, um, but. As far as uh, being fairly accessible to uh, to solo, uh, it it is, and uh, and it's interesting. It it never gets samey. I think the the automa does a really good job of uh, of you know mixing things up and making sure that not every solo game kind of plays the same. So, uh, bravo for that one, that scythe. How does the automaton or automa character work inside? Does it take like one of the um, races of, or the I don't know the countries of people and then run it, or are you? How does it work? Um, it uses. Uh, I'm kind of going by memory here because it has been a year since I've played it. Um, I don't play a lot of solo at the moment, but it. Uh, I know there's a there's a deck, uh, an automa deck that basically kind of gives options of sort of if this, then that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I believe it does. I think you do play with uh, a couple, at least one, if not two uh, other um, factions. So, okay. Cool. But as far as a, a detailed explanation, I... I I'm not sure I could give you one off the top of my head at the moment. Yeah, no, fair enough. I was just kind of curious how they approached it because Scythe is such an asymmetrical 
game and uh, in the best possible way. So yes. I'm just kind of curious how they approach the automaton too. Um, nice. All right. Scythe is pretty solid. Still number 14 on BGG. So it is hanging in there. <clears throat> yep. I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's see. My next one is um, I was debating on putting these two one two on the list, um, but I think I'm going to use them because they are actually the the way I play them solo is I play the app version of these games. Now I've played both of these games quite a lot, uh, and actually I'll just do them individually because I think they both deserve their time in the sun. But um, I, I don't know. I was kind of like, oh, is it cheating? Because I play the app really, and that's how I solo. But I I don't know, because there there isn't really a solo version of one of them. Uh, and the one, I guess we'll talk about that one first, is Patchwork. Um, I really love Patchwork. I've loved Patchwork for so long. It's such a great game. And when it came out, I um, just really fell in love with it. I gave my copy, or lent my copy to a friend and his girlfriend, and they broke up. <laughs> and my copy disappeared. And he feels bad about that, but it's also like, ah, whatever, man. It's, it's, it's fine. Um, but I primarily play Patchwork on my phone. And it has a very, very good app that has several layers uh, or levels of difficulty and complexity. Um, you get all of the great feel of playing Patchwork against a comp- uh, another person because this is only a two-player game with, obviously, the ease of having it on your phone at your fingertips able to summon at a moment's notice in a waiting room or doctor's office <laughs> or wherever you may be. Um, they just did it really well. And the, there's little twists to it, little sound effects in the game as you as you sew in a patch to your patchwork quilt and um, little scoring challenges. And the hardest uh, difficulty setting is actually called Uve. And uh, I really just love love that, that they just like beat the, beat the designer, I dare you. And it's impossible. I've never gotten even close. But uh, Patchwork is still a great game that holds up, and I would recommend anybody grab the app because it's pretty inexpensive and um, it's it's very well done. Yes, actually, I've I've played the app uh, a whole bunch of times. I never really thought of uh, of considering uh, a multiplayer game that I play on an app for for this list. So that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, but I I like Patchwork a lot. I have the Americana edition, which I mean is the exact same game but just looks a little different. Um, and I like it. I, I like it a lot. It's, uh, it's, oh, more, it, it's definitely probably, uh, I would say a, a top 10 two player game for sure. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know there was an Americana game. That's cool. I like that. There, I love that art that went with. Yeah. yeah that's very like, much like American. There's like quilts. a million. <laughs> yeah. There's like a million different versions of, of patchwork. Yeah. They got like a that's Christmas cool. version and like a Halloween version. And so, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's really cool yeah i love that well maybe if i pick up another physical copy i'll grab one of those but yeah i don't know i, do, I was debating on doing a digital one of these digital games but i was i was trying to reflect like what do i actually play solo a lot and uh these games are the, then i'll bring up the next one when it comes back to me again but um for sure patchwork is one that i just r- love playing this game on the app and reach for it all the time because it's just so it's so easy and they did it so well and and um it's not always easy to get patrick on the table you know sometimes two-player games can be hard to just get them on the table is you know especially with my wife she might, might not be into just a head-to-head competition game she just wants to play a game that we can kind of chill with patchwork is pretty chill but it also is very like there's a strategy to it you're not you know you are definitely trying to undercut your your uh, opposing player so 
um, the fact that I can just throw it on or throw it up and play it right away is really satisfying. I love I love that. So yeah, it can be a little brain burning. It, it's mm-hmm. uh, certainly yeah, isn't necessarily the let's just uh, hang out and drink and just casually play this. Right. Uh, you can you can, but yeah, there's definitely uh, it's definitely some some thought put in, put into it for sure. So yeah. That, that's a that's a good one. That's an interesting call for sure. All right, All number right. nine. Where are we? Where are we head with number, number nine? Nine. I I have. Uh, this is uh, actually I I use this exact same, I'll say group of games uh, in a previous list, and okay. that is the the clevers. Ah, so okay. um, that's pretty clever. Twice as clever and clever cubed uh, are all phenomenal solo experiences. Uh, yeah. Just sit down you can you can roll it's just like playing with with somebody you can you know listen to music and just you know have a beer and roll some dice and uh and and it's just maybe it's the fact that i'm so familiar with these games having played them so many times uh but they're comforting and they're fun and they're always their own little puzzle and uh and and no two games ever seem to work out the same you're always you may have the same philosophy in mind but the dice are going to kind of guide you as far as uh, where that game goes and i think it uh really depends on what i feel like doing to myself if i uh if i just sort of want to zone out and just have fun then the first one uh, if i want to pay a little more attention i'll do the second one and if i really want to hurt myself uh, I'll bust out Clever Cubed because that is uh, that is the <laughs> the brain burner, the gamery one of the the three for sure. Great, but I I enjoy all three solo, and um, it's probably you can play most roll and writes. I think uh, solo, like you could play you know obviously cartographer solo, and uh, you could play probably silver and gold solo and. But sure. Uh, but I don't know the clevers. There's just something familiar and fun and comforting about them that uh, they they are my favorite of the solo roll and rights. Yeah, they're great. I, after actually, when we last talked about it, I ended up grabbing um, even more clever. I didn't grab the third one, but I grabbed the second one. And uh, Shelly and I have been playing that a bunch, and we really, really love it as well. So they are. Uh, I would second that. They're just so well done, and each one's very unique. Plays differently. Um, great games. I didn't even think to put um, Roller Ride on my solo list. I don't know why. I should have. <laughs> They're so easy. They're so easy to do. So... You can even you can solo uh, Welcome too really easily as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been really into um, uh, cartographers lately, and uh, oh, yeah, I know yeah. we talked about talked about this too. And cartographer is one of those ones where it's kind of people are hot or cold on it, and I really I really enjoy it though. And so uh, uh, that's one I would definitely solo i haven't i usually play it with my son or my wife but i I, could, I would get into some solo action with cartographers yeah you should sometime like uh if you're sitting around on lunch break or something you're like <laughs> you know what i could be doing right now yeah by besides, god i will <laughs> besides eating at my desk <laughs> right right which is what i do um, <laughs> i could be playing a game yeah <laughs> well I uh, 
didn't uh, include a roll and write, but I'm going to stick for my number nine in the Uwe Rosenberg world with another app that uh, I'm choosing to decide that these this is just a digital automaton with these two-player games that I really love. So uh, that's why I'm going to get a workaround being a uh, two-player game and a solo game uh, list because I play this a lot too. So that is all, Agricola, All Creatures Big and Small. Uh, the, the app for this is very good as well. I It's just really well done, and um, I... R- just really enjoy uh, all creatures big and small it's a it's a great game i love the challenge of it the you know the choices and the simple little structure of a game are i don't know what it is I, it's just it's just such a tight design it, it's so satisfying to play and i find myself uh just picking up and, and starting off the app all the time it's just um it's just really fun to engage with. And another game that I don't actually own the physical copy of this game. I have played it two players uh, several times, and I really enjoy that. But it's hard, once again, to get a two-player game to the table sometimes, and I just really want to want to play a quick little fun game. And so I reach for the app, and there we go. I have it. So I'm going to include this as a solo game because I play this primarily as a solo game through the app. Okay, that's that's fair. That that's fair. I've never played uh, all creatures big and small. It's great. I think you'd really like it. Actually, it'd be right up your alley. Um, uh, yeah, I bet I bet Kristen would like it too. I would. I don't think she would get a kick about it. It's it's like uh, uh, like Agricola is great as well, but it can feel I don't know like there's a little pr- there's pressure in that game. You know, you kind of got to feed your family. You got to you got to yeah. do all this stuff. And uh, big and small kind of diminishes that a little bit while still keeping everything that was great about Agricola um, in the game. And it's quite quicker and faster, and and so I I think you guys would really like it. Cool. Well, I will put it on my (laughs) ever-increasing endless list. Somewhere in the list, yes. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Under A for Agricola. (laughs) And all creatures, big and small. Yes, it's all. All right. Well... I would go with my number 10, which is kind of, I guess, my number one, right? I mean, sort of. Is that how uh, yeah, kinda? I guess. Kind of. Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't I think mean, we had, I don't know if we had an order in these of uh, <laughs> order of dominance, uh, but. But I really, really like this one. Uh, and this one is probably the largest of all of them. And that is Dwellings of Eldervale. Ah, yes. Okay. This is a yes. beast. It it is it is a beast. Um it is uh some of the negatives. It's uh it's definitely takes a long time to set up and to tear down, so it does not make it to the table as often as uh it could if it were a little bit easier. Now the trays like you know they uh, they have all the individual everything's in in its own trays and pre-set up and like that really helps. Uh, but it still takes time to pull everything out. Um, but it, uh, it has a really, really good, um, AI opponent who, uh, weirdly, uh, kind of feels like a real player, you Mm. know? And, um, possibly more so than, than any other game that, uh, that I've mentioned that uses an AI, I feel like um, this one is the closest to feeling like you're playing someone else. Huh. Okay. And even though like uh, 
typically the game's very, uh, it's a lot of interaction, uh, and that's kind of what drives this game. Uh, it's still, for some reason or another, it, it still scratches that itch at uh, when it's solo. So okay. I, I, I really like that part about it. It, uh, you know, it does, it takes cards that you might want. It, um, it fights battles. It can fight you. It moves into places you could be. Um, and, and it, it takes up spots and actions that you want to do. So, uh, it, it very much feels like another player's foiling you. Um, and so, so it kind of, it, it does play into, uh, the whole thing. I've always maintained that this is not a strategic game. Uh, it's, it's a very okay. tactical game. So you can come in with the best intentions of this is what I want to do, but you're never going to be able to do what you want to do in this game. Everything right. is, is centered and revolves around what everyone else is doing. Right. Okay. So, so just at a, a core level, it's, um, it, it really is, uh, you're reacting, you're constantly reacting to the board state and to what other players are doing. And it, it, it keeps that same vibe with the AI. You're constantly reacting to what the AI is doing. Um, and, and so it manages to kind of keep the feel of the multiplayer game, which is in and of itself one of my favorite games of all time anyway. So uh, the fact that I can capture it on my own is awesome. Nice. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful and yeah. sprawling and just uh, has has a very slick rule set. Um, they, it flows. There's nothing in it that's like weird or takes you out of the theme um as weird or wonky as the theme may be from time to time because you're not (laughs) always 100 percent sure why your workers suddenly become houses and what the houses really are but right um, right but you know it it is what it is uh the world is still cool and the um the minis the the monster minis that you fight are really cool and thematic and just uh i don't know every time i play it i'm just like this is awesome yeah yeah dwellings is great dwellings is a really fantastic game very unique with the yeah the way battling is done and and dominance of the board is achieved and territory control and the little huts of course are such a unique structure um i could definitely see this being a really satisfying single player. The only inhibition I'd say is just the amount of setup time this game takes. But once again, if you're going to sit and just kind of like make an evening of it, uh, this would be, I could see how this would be really great. Yeah. Like if you're by yourself for a weekend and you're like, eh, I'm yeah. just going to hang out and I'm going to, you know, watch some Netflix. I'm going to play some games. I mean, why not take a couple hours and, you know, knock out a game or two of this? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> if I if I have an hour, I'm obviously not going to bust out Dwellings of Elder Bay. <laughs> right, right. I'm not sure I can get it set up and torn down in that amount of time, but much less played. <laughs> oh. oh, that would be uh yeah, exactly. I just I just love the idea of like someone um uh you know how they do speed runs for video games, doing a speed run of setting up Dwellings. playing and then breaking down <laughs> Dwellings of Elder Bay. <laughs> How I don't know why anyone do would do it. Yeah. 
Well, that is a great game. Yeah, I, Dwellings, I could see being just awesome, a single player too. Such a great production. Definitely a game to like, like you said, if you have your week to yourself and you got a big open day, just be like, yeah, I'm just going to sit in this game for a while and try to dominate it. Um, all right. My number 10 is, um, I'm gone. I'm trying to decide if I, this is in no particular order, of course. Uh, and so I'm like, what's the best one? I don't really have the best one to choose from, but I've got a couple that I really enjoy. And I think I'm going to land it on the one that I have played the most recently. And that is Sherlock Holmes consulting detective. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just another great one. It is all story driven. There is no real gameplay here, except you're just trying to literally solve a puzzle or a mystery based on the uh, cases that are in the book of cases that the board game games comes with. Uh, the production value of this is great. This is very much in line with the, I don't know. I always see these ads for like solve or cold case type type games uh, sold all the time where you are literally trying to solve an actual case, which I think is kind of weird, but um, this is uh, very much in the <laughs> unrealistic and uh, fantastical world of Baker Street and Sherlock Holmes and uh, the Victorian world that he exists in. And it's just great. It's such a, it's such, so much work has gone into writing these games and immersing themselves into Arthur Conan Doyle's character archetypes and the kind of the way he writes um, is very much incorporated into the way they wrote all of these, the flavor text of this game. And it's just great. It's, it's a fun game to do by yourself or do with people. Um, I've done both. It, it can be a game where uh, you have to find the right group of people to do this or, or right other person to do this because it's not really any rules. You're just kind of like solving the mystery together, but um, doing it by yourself is really satisfying as well. I ended up printing out the another copy of the map so I could scroll it up and not worry about, um, you know, being able to pass it on to another person once I'm done with all the cases and um, have, uh, yeah, it was just really fun to kind of like suss it out. And then each mission or case ends with you seeing not just if you solved it, but, but how you solved it. How well it. you solved it. Exactly. How well you solved it. The things, what you noticed that Sherlock Holmes noticed, because you're comparing notes with him at the end. And you're always trying to, you know, solve it as completely and utterly as he has. And so there's that challenge. Uh, I really love the way they did that, as opposed to just like, did you figure it out? It's like, did you figure it out? But also, did you notice these eight or 12 things? And so uh, that's that's great, too. So it's a great discovery point at the end of each case. Yes, agreed. And, uh, this, so yeah, uh, excellent game for sure. And there's uh, there's what three different ones, right? There's uh, the original one, and then there's uh, was it the Jack the Ripper one, and then I think there's another one after. that. Yeah, right? I think there might be five now because I think they. Oh, um, wow. I think so. I could be totally wrong on this. Um, yeah, no, I think there's like six. Um, cause there's the Thames murders, Jack, the Ripper, Carlton house, the Baker street, uh, something, <laughs> um, let's see if I can look them up anyway. I think there's like six or more cause they've, they've actually continued. I believe they took like a break or there was a lull when they were making these, but then, um, uh, they started to I keep seeing new boxes that I'm not, I don't recognize on the, uh, store shelves. And so, um, there's at least four new version ones of this, or recent version ones of this that have come out since um, 2016, I think. Yeah. Huh. 
Oh yeah, never mind. The other ones are from like the early the '80s when they did. They so they had a series of these in the early '80s. Um, okay, so I think there's four of them. Yeah, so there's four of them. There's four modern printing ones. Mark. I think they might be reprinting some of these old ones too. They might. Huh. Anyway, well, that's we're fun. checking out each each uh, box of uh, or each set of these comes with I think it's like eight or ten cases, so it's quite a lot of time that you can devote to this game um, just by buying one, whichever set seems more enticing to you. They're all they're all great, but the there's a lot of time to, to be had and fun to be had with this game. So Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, whatever you can get your hands on. I'm sure now the early '80s ones are actually probably pretty fun too. Oh yeah, I would think so. So, um, all right. So that was the list. Before we go, though, um, we we totally did not talk about what we played. Um, so I I I played one new game. All new right. to me what? game. Oh, new to you? Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. What what did you play? I played Fantastic Factories. Oh, I have not heard of that one. And it is really good. It's um, it's like a engine building, dice assignment placement sort of game, huh. where uh, you have there's uh, you have blueprints and you're printing out these factory or you're you're buying these factories and you're uh, generating resources with dice. Um, and then you're using those dice to activate, uh, to, uh, to build and activate these factories that can do different things like get you more resources or um, produce goods. And goods ultimately are kind of the way, like the, they're like the victory points. So when you build a factory, it's worth victory points. And then you also get victory points for, for producing these goods. They're just wooden crates but I'm assuming something amazing is inside of them. And, um, and so the, the way you end the game is you either get uh, build 10 factories or um, somebody produces 12 goods. And then at that point, you kind of add up all of your, your stuff. And some of the factories can be like monuments where uh, you get points for uh, more points for, for building them. It's like a regular factory might be worth, you know, one, but you build these monuments and they're worth three points each, but they don't give you any powers or anything. So you kind of have to, you know, sort of weigh the points versus utilitarian aspects of them. So, and, uh, and then kind of trying to, to build the right ones that work in conjunction with each other, uh, Mm-hmm. running your factories like activating your factories kind of reminds me a little bit of the uh the furnace running the factory running in furnace okay uh so it's that same kind of uh engine building thing where every time every turn you're you know building more factories and you get to kind of also activate them and and they can you can get ones that sort of build off each other and like activate this and it gives me this which lets me activate this which gives me this which lets me build two you know resources or whatever uh, goods and so it's it's really neat the way that it it works it's uh it's pretty intuitive it's uh it's easy to explain 
Uh, it flows real well. It uh, doesn't take very long to play. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was great. I played it with uh, Kirsten. And I played it with my brother Alex, who's not real game uh, board game kind of guy. He's more of gateway sort of guy. I'm trying to get him into it, but uh, yeah. but he he picked up on it and really really enjoyed it. Um, and it has just a, a, enough familiar things in it that uh, that if you played a lot of these engine building type games, you can kind of really pick up on it quick as far as you know putting the strategies together and everything. Okay. And I have really really enjoyed it. I also played it solo, and it is excellent solo. But it is a very different experience solo than it is okay. with players. So <laughs> it looks really cool. Yeah, um, I I like it a lot. I like the art style on it. Quite quite a bit. Very simple, clean, but like uh reminds me of like uh oh, I've talked about Sashi and Sashi games kind of like that where it's sort of like kind of yeah. Japanese stylish a little bit. Yeah, and one of the things you can also do is you can uh you can hire these uh these workers and they're just one-time use. So you might hire an electrician and he might just give you like four energy resources and then you discard him and uh okay. and so so the workers will will tend to give you a lot of stuff but just one time okay in, instead of buying a um a blueprint or or what have you so uh huh. so there's definitely options there's different things you can do there's uh it, it's not as slow a build as uh, a lot of um, engine builders are, where it just it takes a lot of time to get your engine going. You can get your engine going on turn one. Sure. Okay. On this one. So. Yeah. Cool. I really uh, like it. Nice. Nice. It looks really neat. I'm gonna have to see if I can uh, find it on Tabletop Simulator, give it a try or something. <laughs> I can't give me like, Did you kickstart that one? Um. No. I. I'm not sure. I must have seen a. I must have seen a video or something on it, and because I bought it like a month or so ago. Okay. I think I, I think I saw either a Rado or a Tom Vassell review of it, and they they both really liked it. So nice. I'm like, okay, right. and it was. Uh, I found it online for like on on a sale or something. So I'm like, yeah, I'll grab that, and it was great. Well, speaking of games on sale, I, that is my playthrough recently that I uh, have a victorious playthrough, uh, that a game that I didn't know anything really about, and I picked it up, and I thought I'd check it out. Uh, I've got a gameplay of Maniacal played recently. Uh, Maniacal is a 2-5 to five player game designed by Hassan Lopez uh, of Summoner, no, Clockwork Wars, not Summoner Wars, Clockwork Wars fame by Eagle Griffin Games. And uh, yeah, in Great this game, game you, by the way. Yeah, I have not... Yes. I, I've, we were talking about this before we started recording. I, I really want to check it out now that I've uh, played this game of his and uh, the other one. That's the other one he's designed. Um, but yeah, this game is you are a you are an evil maniac, I guess, guess, and you are trying to take over the world in one way or the other. You are um, collecting henchmen to your cause. You are or attracting henchmen to your cause, I should say. You are completing, sending your henchmen off to do missions. You are um, powering up your henchmen. They might have something happen to them on a mission that gives them some sort of power up. You are trying to make money. The um, the way you win the game, by the money is basically points and um, prestige. You also get prestige. And you either, uh, oh, you're also building a base. So you're adding rooms to your base that you're building throughout the game that are basically, you can go to these rooms and do stuff. Like you can go to the communications room and um, 
do a thing that that uh, helps your minions on a mission. Or you can go to the wine cellar and just rest there and earn money. <laughs> it's just like different rooms huh. do different things. And um, uh, the game is got a few interesting approaches to um, to games of this ilk. So one of the things is that your minions, your kind of henchmen, that's what they are, not your minions, your henchmen, that you are going to... Um, attract throughout the course of the game go in four different archetypes there are beasts criminals scientists and um uh what are they called mystics and they have like magic abilities and they all specialize in different things and so they are going to be able to specialize one way or the other which is going to determine where and how you send them or where and when you send them on different missions they might be really good at certain type of mission, and so you might send them on that mission, whereas they'd be terrible and in the way at another type of mission. They also are going to increase you on other tracks. Uh, but the way this works is you have these four categories, and you start the game by building a couple of rooms in your base, and they are going to advance you on these four categories, either beasts, criminals, scientists, or mystics. And as those you go up in those, you are actually that is actually attractiveness of your to your cause by those types of henchmen. And so every round you're going to recruit new henchmen and you, the henchmen you're going to recruit are going to be from the four categories that you are the highest up on. So for instance, if you are just building rooms in your base that is going to, um, for whatever reason, be more appealing to uh, the beast category, then you are going to attract beast henchmen to your cause. So you have control over it but also a little bit of a, of an unintended um, consequence for these things where you're suddenly finding yourself surrounded by beast henchmen and you're just suddenly the beast henchman guy <laughs> because you also uh, <laughs> wanted to build those rooms in the base for their effect not necessarily who attract who is uh, what kind of henchmen are attracted to your base by building these rooms so it's it's an interesting interplay of systems in here that have some unintentional comedy and also some really fun unintentional strategies that develop uh it's just and it's just really fun it's a great game i i think more people should check it out it was named originally infamous and at publication or sometime during that period they changed it to maniacal um so i'm not sure if it ever made it to publish it as infamous but i have seen prototypes as infamous so maybe maybe it did i'm not really sure uh, yeah a lot of I, the pictures on board game geek are of uh it as infamous yeah yeah it's uh it 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 I don't know why they abandoned it. I, I like Infamous. I like Maniacal too, but um, uh, I don't know. It, it, Infamous was pretty, maybe there's another game called Infamous, or there's a video game in Infamous. I'm pretty sure. So uh, the other thing it does is it has the speaking of patchwork, the patchwork uh, turn structure. So when you guys are going off, uh, when players are going off on missions, you your currency there is time. So how long it takes you to fly your henchmen to Europe and I don't know, uh, steal the super collider or um, do uh, find some crazy other mission you're going to do. Uh, you spend a certain amount of time doing that. And so you're, when it comes back to you, uh, it might not be your turn again. The turn order is going to shift because someone maybe did a shorter task or they went to their base to do something. And that's a just takes a short period of time. And so they can do a few things at their base before their turn order chit goes past to the last place and then someone else's turn so it's really interesting time management that very similar to feel of patchwork as well as um you know how you build your base who you attract what missions you do etc um just a very cool interplay 
And uh, yeah, anyway, I'd check it out. I, I, we were talking about this, but this game, I feel it fell victim to very questionable pricing at release. The MSRP right now is still like, actually, I think the MSRP I saw initially was like $89 for this game. And right now it's listed at 75 from Eagle Griffin. And I think that is still way overpriced for what this game is. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's not like, like I'm looking at it and it, there's not that much as far as components go. It doesn't seem no. like there's certainly like no big minis or like anything you'd be like, Oh yeah, that's, that's worth it. Yeah. You'd expect for that price that it would have like, expansions bundled with it but it it doesn't it just has its base game there's one way to play there's replayability here for sure but it's not like you could expand this world if you really liked it for that price and so i think part of the reason why and i think myself included until i just saw this at a crazy sale um was i'd never heard of this game was that it was priced just stupidly and no one picked it up because there were other games bigger games that you could get for the same price and this just sort of fell by the wayside um but uh but if you can find it i, I definitely think it's worth checking out we i think you mentioned this too bill it's like we're you're probably going to see this game showing up at a lot of like bargain bins or uh resell uh use game use game stores because people um I don't know. I think it's it's a game that I like, but I if I spent $75 on this game, I would probably I don't know. I wouldn't be happy about it. <laughs> and so maybe I would I don't know, sell it. I got I found like the guy who was selling his. I it was new and shrink that I he'd never even opened it. And he just I don't know. I think he just had a, one of those people that buys and sells a lot of games, but um but anyway look for this one if you can it's worth it's worth grabbing if you can get it on a deal it's a it's a fun game it does it what it does really well the art is by uh rob davio a really prolific comic book artist he does a great job here with all the art it's uh, the production quality for what it is is great it's just nothing more than you know a basic cardboard uh, board board game and that's totally fine but um uh yeah anyway so it's worth grabbing if you can get it for a deal but um it's too bad this is a fun game i'm it's sad that it fell by the wayside yeah it, it looks fun and uh and clockwork wars is an awesome game so i, I imagine uh, if this is by the same guy i'm sure it's well worth picking up but i will i will be declining at 75 dollars Oh, and I'm sorry. I said Rob Davio. That is the game designer. <laughs> Rob Gilroy is who who published, uh, who did the art for this. Uh, gotcha. Ro- Rob Gilroy is a, a prolific uh, comic book artist. I was like, I did not know Rob Davio wrote, <laughs> he, did, he did comic books too, but that's really neat. <laughs> he, he I don't know. Yes, that's that kind of time. <laughs> I was looking. I was looking at uh, Cthulhu: Death May Die, and I was just sort of like following the the rabbit hole of like, oh, I would, remind me again where Rob Davio uh, segued away from uh, pandemic and uh, <laughs> and uh, other ilk, and so he was on my mind. But anyway, uh, yeah. Well, all right. Well, there we go. That uh, that is our list of top tens. Do you have any more uh, recent playthroughs you wanted to mention before we call it here, or do you? Uh, that's it. Save until next it. time. For me, I, I will probably have a few next time. So, All right. Well, sounds good. I hopefully will as well. Um, 
I am uh, having to miss my game nights for the last week and this next week, unfortunately, because of uh, other co- commitments. But um, soon, soon I will be back in the mix and with new playthroughs. Uh, until then, everybody, you guys can get a hold of us and tell us about your playthroughs in a couple different ways, of course. You can go to Twitter and Instagram at RoastedGames1. You can also go to our uh, Facebook page, Roasted Games, and uh, send us a message there. Uh, we love to hear from you guys. It's always fun to check in. And as we kind of sporadically publish on and off here, it's nice to touch base and see what everyone's doing. Um, and uh, let yeah, give us your thoughts on what we're doing. So let us know. And uh, until next time, thank you all for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. Bye.